0: Now live and on lockdown.
1: Are you ready? ready. ready. ready.
0: Broadcasting from Edinburgh, Scotland, and across the globe. Listen here. You're listening to Ramsey Unleashed, Going Beyond Borders podcast. The host, Fraser Ramsey.
2: Hi, this is Afia
3: Letha from KingdomBeats.com. Proud to be a sponsor of Ramsey Unleashed, Going Beyond Borders. Hey, welcome to our edition of Ramsey Unleashed, Going Beyond Borders. Uh, I have a special guest all the way from Ireland in America, uh, Yolanda Poe, a domestic abuse survivor. it would be good to hear her story. Uh, we'll have our usual some sub- uh, Benita Charles, 60 Second Singing Tips, uh, which is uh, inspiration. We thank you for her support. We'll have, we also are brought to you by KingdomBeads.com by Ifia If you're looking for some Kingdom Beads, you can go to her site, but we'll have a bit more of a shout out. For our contributors and supporters, I'm a bit tongue-tied today, but that's <laughs> no pressure from the audience, <laughs> but uh, it's all good. But uh, I want to, as I say, it's great to be I have another episode of Ramsey Unleashed. It's great to support the people that I uh, interview and it's great to hear lots of wonderful stories uh, from different backgrounds and where people have come from nothing to become somebody and hopefully through their listening to their stories are going to impact other people by uh, hearing their story so as i say i'm going to lock the general seats we are doing this on get vocal again using the platform so for the podcast people uh we are going to usually have our music as well going forward we are we are using a video platform but as i say we use the audio for the podcast so as i say welcome yolanda Poe. how are you doing
4: i am doing amazing how are you
3: yeah, good thanks. It's uh, Thursday night. If you're local listening, it's Thursday somewhere in the world, wherever you are. But uh, yes, yeah. so how's your day been? How's the, thing? how's the weather getting a bit better in uh, near Maryland?
4: Oh my gosh, the weather is absolutely amazing. It is so warm. I'm so excited. We're not having 20 degrees out here. So <laughs> it's like in the f- 60s.
3: That's that's good. That's nice. I'd, that's great. I'd rather have about 60, 70 degrees quite easily. So I think our weather slowly getting better as well in Edinburgh, oh. which is not too bad. So uh, that's the, that's a good thing about it. It's so slowly slightly improving, slightly improving, which is good. But uh, as I say, we're in Scotland. We have four seasons in one day. Even up to June, you'd be surprised. Wow. (laughs) It can be (laughs) crazy sometimes. You just never know. But (laughs) it's when we get the weather reports from down south in the paper. Britain is about to go through a heat wave. Well, they actually mean London, not Britain. So it's it's always the same thing. But hey-ho, that's the weather for you. It's uh, you can never make you, you can never predict it you wake up one day and you go right okay so and you never keep you chucking it in with rain so anyway <laughs> enough about the weather uh so let's um find out a bit about you what uh are you, who, what is it you do now and tell us and then we'll backtrack to part of your life before everything else kicked off and what happened so tell us what you do now
4: okay well i am a public speaker I am the author of four books um, currently. That's um, pretty much what I do at this time. I do the public speaking. I can be found on, on Facebook in the mornings and in the evenings, uh, given inspirational tips. Um, I do some juicing with that. And <laughs> so that's what I pretty much do now. Um, I call myself a wilderness warrior because I am a survivor of domestic violence. And I use my experiences to help. Um, in terms of of what you know what the, the books offer and, and, and kind of help people along the
3: way. Have you found it beneficial to help have you helped many people through your experience?
4: Yes, actually I have. Um, there um, there is a an email that I have set up and whenever someone has need of any um, counseling or a directive on how to get to the next phase of being um, free, I make sure that I make myself available so that those um, young ladies can. Lately, it's been a lot. It's been women, so that they have a a starting point. Because most of the time, when you're free, once you get out, you don't know what normalcy is because you've lived in bondage for so long. So I assist women to get started at a new. Because you're in a new place, you may not have a job, you may not even have really any clothes. You don't. You just have your ID. So, I walk them through the phases of what to do to start normalcy.
3: Okay. Well, that's good. Well, we'll come more into detail uh, about that. But let's say, uh, at least we know that you're a speaker and you, do you, how have you been around America speaking or is it just mainly around your local area? Do you travel with what you do?
4: Um, mainly around my area. I have spoken, I think it's, it's, it was in Maryland, which was funny. Uh, I've spoken in Maryland, I've spoken in Delaware. Maryland and Delaware.
3: Do you hope to the two states. Do you hope to expand a bit more?
4: Oh, absolutely. I want to meet and reach as many women and that I can in terms of this because people when you when you've gone through a, a really bad patch in life, we forget how to live like normal people. We forget that it's okay to cry, that it's okay to 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 laugh that it's okay to to have a, a job and 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 care for yourself. So I need to reach as many people as I can get to. I want to do global. I just don't want to be local.
3: There we go. That's a good good attitude. Good attitude. Um, let's let's go back to the beginning then. A bit. let's tell us where where obviously where you're born, where you're from, and uh, life growing up, uh, life before domestic violence came into your life. Uh, what was life like? Uh, was it good, bad, or indifferent?
4: I want to say, I got married young. So before that, um, life was was wonderful. Actually, it was perfect. Um, I came from a two-parent family home, uh, church upbringing, private school. All I saw was lilies and butterflies. Like, I, I sang on a choir. I was a minister for 10 years. I mean, life was actually interestingly enough, what I would consider perfect. Uh, I had um, a bachelor's degree in business administration. Um, yeah, everything was perfect. I had my family. I had my friends. What more could a person ask
3: for? There we go. What, was it choir for your local church shooting or was it a choir for something else?
4: It was a choir from my local church and I did some traveling singing um here and there and between uh New Jersey and Delaware and Maryland. I did, you know, some singing for, for different engagements you know, people might ask me to, to sing in different programs. I also sang with a choir when I was younger at um at my local church.
3: So where did your sing what parts did your singing take you? Was it just for bigger concerts or was it just local again or uh it was yeah. What is you singing well, and singing I I,
4: I I sang I sang with the choir, but I also do a lot of solos. Right, so okay. yeah. So folks would, would call me and they would they they would um hire me to sing and I would sing.
3: Do you, do you still sing?
4: Yes I do. Ah. Absolutely.
3: Do you have yes, any music? I do. Do you have any actual recorded music?
4: No, I not have any actual recorded music yet.
3: Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, yes, worry, by, by the end of this show, we will be ha- having you hooked up to re- uh, <laughs> getting some music recorded. Okay. because <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you've got a talent, don't sit in it. That's what I say.
4: Mm. Absolutely, uh, I agree.
3: Yeah, if you've got a talent, but uh, so before we go into, we've got a bit, obviously your life was it was fabulous growing up. You had a nice life. You got married. You've come to the stage that you've got married young. But before we do that, we will take a small break. Uh, for those who will be listening on the podcast, we will play our Benita Charles' 60-second singing tips and we'll play a music by Claire Means, her song Danger, which is from her recent album Sidewalk Astronomy. Uh, she is actually going to be coming over to Edinburgh uh, for a week, 16th to the 23rd of, uh, of April. She's coming to visit her sister, who's over here. Um, and I've got her a couple of gigs. She'll be playing in Edinburgh. Uh. At a couple of markets, and also at a Costa Coffee, it's similar to Starbucks over here, but it has recently been bought over by Coca Cola, and but will be slowly slowly appearing in places in America and Canada. So you will, if you're looking at it for Costa Coffee branches, there already is one in Atlanta. So uh, you will slowly see Costa Coffee popping up. Um, around America so just like every other coffee shop there is every, everywhere else <laughs> not like, yeah. we need <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so but yeah anyway moving on we'll, we'll come back after our break from uh, as I say the our Beatty Child 60 Second Singing Tips uh, she is an avid supporter of Ramsey Unleashed and also Clarine's Danger, so we're back in a second.
2: Hi, this is Benita Charles from BenitaCharles.com on Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Borders with your 60 Second Singing Tip. Today's tip is about your greatest asset. The greatest asset you have is your health. Without your health, all things cease. You have to be healthy to pursue any profession you may want. Take care of yourself and take preventive measures to ensure your optimum health. Eat nutritious foods. Get enough rest. Exercise. Stay hydrated. Surround yourself with those you love. Listen to positive messages and stay positive. All these things can contribute to good health. As the Roman poet Virgil said, the greatest wealth is health. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for the next 60 second singing tip on Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Borders.
0: I am drowning in the darkness. I am looking for the light. But it seems everything I thought I knew has disappeared from sight. You're real. You feel real odd. Plastic people with plastic.
3: to Ramsey Unleashed, uh, second part of our show, we're here with our guest Yolanda Poe, all the way from Maryland in the USA, we're talking uh, regarding domestic violence survivor, uh, as I say you've just heard please, Charles, we've just heard Claire Means for Song Danger and as I say, let's carry on with Yolanda so start, you got married young going to, you've kind of your life was pretty hunky dory, it was nice so when did things really start to go wrong and what did, leading up to the the process that you've been through.
4: You know, what's really crazy is that every relationship that I was in was abusive. Um, when I, the abuse started when I got married and, um, it was, a little physical, but it was more so mental. I wasn't allowed to work. Um, he didn't want me to be in ministry. He banned me from going to church. Uh, he wouldn't allow me to go anywhere. I was stuck in the home um, all the time. Um, I was um, awakened in very um disgusting manners when it was when it was time for sex. It normally was um, drunk sex. And I remember the smell of of, of alcohol and it, it was just a horrible experience. Um, my, the, the last relationship that I was in when I was married, she would wake me up and she would shake me to wake me up and then stare at me and she wouldn't allow me to go back to sleep. Um, different times she would choke, she would straddle me and just choke me. And I wasn't allowed to use my own car. And if I was allowed to use my own car then it it had to be local, and she had to know where I was going, and I was always having an affair, and she was always telling me that, that I I was too small, and 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 that I you know I didn't look pretty enough, and and I and I I, I just I, I just wasn't what what she wanted. She wished she you know she she said she was happy, but she wish she was somewhere else. She would take my car and, and threaten to drive it into a, a wall. Um, I'll never forget there was a time we had an argument and and we I, I turned her phone off while I was driving and I told her I needed to stop at the local store and I went in but she had taken my cell phone from me and I went in and I started begging for help and the people said, well come behind the counter and I went behind the counter and and before I knew it, she she was telling me to come from behind the counter. And I said, no, it took four people to, to hold her and to keep her off of me. And they had turned the, the store alarms on and she was in there screaming and she was in there fighting everyone to get to me. And they had locked me in this room. And she was saying, just come out, just come out. Everything's going to be OK. And I, I just there were drugs involved and and, and she did drugs on a regular basis. And, and she just told the police that I was harassing her at times when I would call the police and they would threaten to to lock me up. And and then they would say, but she said no, um, because she knew, she said, they said that she knew I couldn't make it in jail. So whenever I would call the police, she would, turn it on me. There were times when she would beat me outside in public and people would just stand around and watch and would chant, do you want me to call the police? But nobody would call. So I literally took you through several different phases of my abuse. And with time, it it, it did. It, it, it got worse. And I remember being choked and, and not knowing whether or not I was going to be able to live through it because I had started working out and just so I could fight and I remember one day laying on the bed and I didn't know if I was going to make it. It was, it was something that I did with my arms and it, it kind of caught her off guard. And right before I went to take my very last breath, I was able to do something. I don't know, maybe she lost strength in her arms or something, but that was, that moment was, was pivotal for me. And I said, I can't, I can't do this anymore.
3: So I'm, um- Going through, and just you touched on at the beginning that you've been through a lot of abusive relationships. It sounds like before you got married, or how? So it sounds like you seem to have attracted the wrong person, basically. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think caused you to bond with the wrong person, basically, to in your life, even though you were your life seemed quite kind of perfect or not not perfect? You know what I mean? Before you, it was a kind of nice nice life. Mm. So. So how, what, what went wrong, if you know what I mean, to kind of attract in some way or form?
4: Well, I found out later through counseling, because I do go through a therapist regularly. Um, my parents were very, very instrumental in my place of peace. So in 2000, well, actually, in, in 1999, my son was set on fire going to school. He was set only on nine. Wow. Set on fire. Ooh. A woman waved at him poured gasoline on his, on his hat and then lit a match. That happened in 99. And then in 2000, I had six deaths in four months and two of the deaths were my parents a month apart. Um, right after that, the person that I was in a relationship with left me. Um, I suppose it was just too much, <laughs> too much stress. And I'm met, and this was after my marriage, and then I met that one particular person that seemed like they were really nice. I had gravitated to the first thing that I thought would would bring me love, that would bring me peace, that would bring me um, that sense of security. Because my, my father made me feel safe, but my mother... She gave me that biblical background, that, that place of, you know, we can pray our way through. And my father was, you know, he was really, he was a military man. So he, he gave me some, some life lessons to work with. And when I lost all of that, um, it just, everything went out the window. I, I had no footing. I, I couldn't breathe so when the person came to me they they always come really nice they bring you gifts and tell you how beautiful you are and compliment you on everything that you do and say and it's it's almost like a a a, a hook and bait type thing so they made it seem like life with them would be perfect
3: did what you went through affect your faith
4: yes it did it truly affected my faith. I, I, I couldn't believe that with all the God that I I say that I have and how close I am with God, I couldn't believe that I could allow myself to get to the place where I was. And I took a period of time and wouldn't talk to God. I wouldn't I didn't ask him for help because I didn't think he would hear me. I didn't think he wanted to have anything to do with me. I just knew that he loved me and wanted me to live. But I just didn't know what type of life I was supposed to have like that. So I really didn't talk to God a whole lot. Um, it wasn't until I had started doing drugs. Um, my <laughs> I started doing drugs and... When I started to do the drugs, I started to lose a lot of weight. I used to smoke a a lot of uh, marijuana. Some call it marijuana. Weed. Blunts. They were really big cigarettes. A lot of that. And I did a lot of drinking. And that was the only time that I I started praying. It was because I got scared. I I was 105 pounds and was barely maintaining life.
3: So... It's. I mean, by going through it, did you come really quite badly addicted to drugs and alcohol, or did you have to go through, like, um, recovery, go to a um, recovery place so you can get off this, or did you just manage to come off it yourself?
4: I managed to come off of it myself, which was very, very hard, severely hard. Um, I, I started the process after I ran away. So after I ran away and came and, and moved further south, if you will, because I was in Pennsylvania and not to totally disclose my location, but when I came from that area, I got, um, on this end of the world and started drinking a lot of water and eating a lot of, um, food because I wasn't eating a lot of food. Uh, got away from sodas and, and, um, processed food and i started eating more more natural um food so now i'm a pescatarian but it was very 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 hard
3: don't be asking what's a pescatarian
4: (laughs) a pescatarian (laughs) (laughs) a pescatarian is one that does not eat meat but i do eat seafood
3: Okay, that's nothing. Yeah,
4: I don't eat. I don't drink any sodas. Everything's all natural. My juices, I juice. I don't buy juice from from the local store. Everything is natural.
3: That's good. Wow, I I've learned something new. I didn't have a clue what a pescatarian was. Yeah, so, yeah, it was right?
4: it was hard because not only was I detoxing from drugs, I was detoxing from um, sodas and and and. All caffeine. So I don't know. For those of you that don't know, when you leave caffeine alone, your body goes through uh, a a strange shift, and you get lots of headaches. It's you get lightheaded, you get dizzy. So I had that on top of detoxing from alcohol and marijuana.
3: Yeah, I think I do need. That's one thing. I if I was to ditch caffeine, could be interesting.
4: It was not fun.
3: <laughs> I yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, bad enough uh, ditching being on low carbs. That was that was the fun part uh, over four weeks. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> certainly must I could try. I suppose it is saying you can if you drink lots of water, for example, you can totally just constantly drink water. The change in your body and your skin can be mm-hmm. it's quite amazing If you just do not touch it, but it's a challenge. You have to work your way through. But uh, so how? Let's go back to how long did all this domestic violence? What was the kind of period it all kicked? Was that a kind of a short period? Or was it quite over a long period? Because uh, it sounds like it's you've been through a lot. But you're, is there any? I mean, you, to what I'm trying to say is, uh, yeah. I mean, over how, what period of years was this kind of this all happen? And did you recently just get out of it? Was it a short period or?
4: I was in and out because I kept going back for 12 years.
3: Right. So you kept... And... So and that, what made you heck? want to go back? Because that, that can be a key... Fo- that seems to be a major thing in a lot of scenarios of domestic violence that you... Even in a... That the person goes back and then they leave and they go back and they leave and they go back and it still happens even though they're getting abused to the, to the the to the cows come home. But they still go back. So, what made you find? Why? Why? What's the mentality of going back, and why?
4: When you first get, when anybody gets in a relationship, the first time they get in, they get flowers and they're told how beautiful they are, and you have these intimate moments of 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 eye starry gazes that you you have, and the person makes you feel like you're the best thing since sliced bread. Like, like the the sun rises and sets on your very existence. That's what I kept going back looking for because I would get the please come back. Or even if I didn't get a please come back, I didn't feel right because I was used to a routine. And this is what's really key with me is I have OCD. Okay. <laughs> so I'm used to a routine. So when you take me off my routine, now I can't function. So when I would go to leave, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know, I didn't know how to function. So I would always go back to try to resume my routine and could not find it. So then I would leave again. And each time I would go back, it would it would get worse. But I was looking for that person that loved me from the very, very beginning. So whenever I would go back, I would do what I always do. I would make the special meals and I would try to make the special time. And I did literally, it was a routine and the routine it it didn't
3: work. So, did you ever get when it comes to obviously the violence side? Were you have was it quite easy to know that you've been physically abused? Uh, were you? It was any scars, bruises, anything like that? Like you can see? No,
4: that's no. that's the that's the interesting thing because. I, one of the books I wrote is called Mass Darkness. I wore what you would call a mask, so no one knew because it was mental abuse. That's the physical abuse was, yeah, I, I would be choked, but it no no marks were there. Um, and choking was the big thing. Choking was the big thing. So there were no marks, but there was there was mental abuse. There was, you know, Yolanda, you're you're spending too much money. You're too so everything was up here.
3: Okay well, what we'll do is we'll take a an r v break um, for those who are listening to the podcast we are because with the best there is there is a physical and there's also psychological abuse now the psychological abuse side in Scotland is law now in law now and it is actually illegal if you're found doing it, you can be obviously put in jail um and it has uh, been more recognized these days than than it was before. So we want to give a shout-out to our supporters who uh, support the show and the people who, who encourage uh, what we do. Um, shout-out to Eileen Smith dot, from EileenSmith.com, Eileen who does a lot of live streaming. We thank you for her support and what she does. She tests a lot of live streaming platforms. <clears throat> Excuse me. Also, uh, Brent Mann from Brentmanmusic.com, country gospel singer. He's in uh, Tampa, Florida. And thank you for his support and encouragement to the show. We've got uh, John Drummond, who does web design from ideasgolive.com. He's based in Edinburgh. He did my website, com or .co.uk, depending on what you want to search, if you like cleaning services. Um, also, we have Shannon Griffin, who is in California. He's a cancer survivor who does T-shirts. She's called For Humanities. And uh, you can look, uh, find her if you're looking for some t shirts designed or printed, you can uh, contact her. And uh, we also have Curtis Brooks from Curtis Brooks Media Productions, who is a great uh, who's a supporter of our show. And We thank you for um, what he does, and we thank you for all these people who do support us. And Our main sponsor is you uh, Litham from kingdombeads.com. If you're looking for some you know, nice beads, if you like that kind of thing. Uh, semi precious gems, you can even design your own and have your own custom make on if you like. Even just necklaces as well. So you can go to KingdomBeads.com. You can uh, have a look at the designs if you like them. and Make a purchase, that'd be great. But thank you for all these people who do support us. And um, as I say, we'll uh, play our song. We'll come back with we we'll play Billy Charles, and uh, uh, we stay. And we'll uh, come back after that. And then we'll carry on. We'll talk about a little more, dissect more of the psychological abuse that she went through. Yolanda went through, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about her books and how her what her, was well, writing her books, how they started. So we'll be back in a second.
1: relationship to
3: the next part of our show we just had Brisa Charles' song a great supporter of our um, show so you can check out and uh, she has, it does singing as well and she does a 60 second singing tips for us and also plenty other things so we thank you for her she's based in New York so if you're ever in New York you want to hook up with her hey catch up with her and have a coffee and hear music it's always good to meet new people which is the main thing so Yolanda let's, you, you've touched on the domestic side of the the, 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 the physical side of the abuse so dissect, for those who are listening on this and may be understanding your experience or, or going through it right now talk about the psychological abuse of what you've gone through and how bad was it to a level
4: well I I would go to work and I would get ready to go to work and i, I And I would go to say goodbye, and it was like I wasn't even there. They would grunt at me. Every single day, I was not spoken to. But they would call me on the phone and say, hi, baby, how are you? As if everything was perfect that morning. Listen, do you have XYZ money, or I need to use a car? And I'd go, okay, yeah, sure, I can help you. And they wouldn't text or call me all during the day. And then I would come in from work. And they would take the keys and say, I'll be back. And they wouldn't come back. So then I would call and I would go, hi, like, what's up? Well, what, why are you bothering me? Like, leave me alone. Like, you're always getting on my nerves. Like, what, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, what do you mean what's wrong with me? I just called to to, to see what was going on. I haven't seen you and I, I need the car. Well, I'll bring you the car when, I, when I'm able to bring you the car. I'm, I'm out handling business. They would bring the car back and the car would be, wouldn't have any gas in it, and I would say, "Well, where's the gas in the car?" And they would go, no, "I used it. I'm, i doing some things." They would totally ignore me. Would go somewhere and, and and just lay down, and I didn't understand what was going on. So, and then a few minutes later, they would come back and go, "Hi, like what's for dinner?" Um. Then, the, then the affair started, and day in and day out, I was getting this leave me alone go away you know i i i like i like this way that women look i like women that 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 aren't so stuck up and and aren't so you losing weight you look like you you know that you look like a drug drug addict that's what that's what people are saying about you you look horrible and it was just this vicious cycle but when we would get in public i was i was wifey i was I was wonderful. Oh, she, Yolanda, she just does so much for me. She's so loving. And then we get in the car and they not say anything to me at all. And then the, when the affair started, it was crazy. The phone would ring and, and, I would say, well, let me see your phone. And they would go, no, you're too newsy. Give me your phone. They would take my phone from me and wouldn't give it to me. I wouldn't be able to communicate with anybody. I couldn't have, didn't have my tablet. They, they took all modes of communication from me and they would take the car and just would go. Well, I didn't have any friends, so I would be locked up in the house by myself. And when they would come in, they wouldn't even speak to me. But then later would say, but I'm always around, sweetheart. I'm right here. We're spending time together. We're watching TV. And I'm going, no, we're not. And then I would say, you know what? You're always crying. You're always complaining. You're, you're, you're just, you're never happy with anything. But then if somebody knocks on the door, they're like, come on in. Hey, sit down. Yolanda, you want to cook us some dinner? It was, it was like a roller coaster. And when I would tell people that that they were being mean to me, or uh, on the nights that they would come come in and and I and I mentioned it, but it's all part of the psychological. When they would be sh- shaken awake, they would just stare at me. And when I looked like I was going to sleep, they would nudge me, and then just, just stare.
3: So. What made you, when did you find, was it that point when you hid in that store you got out or was that the final, was that the final escape or was there, did you go back after that? When did you finally break free from all this?
4: I had my granddaughter and my daughter with me one day and, um, she took the car. She always did. Um, she was always known. She always known to take her car and she had this extra girlfriend. She would always go out, come back and say she never was with her. Um, in between the, the stealing and whatnot, that n- night she brought the car back. I went. To, I said, "I'm going." I said, "I've been calling you because you know I needed to go to the market," and she said, "Yeah, all right, whatever." And she said, "Hey, be careful with that because all, all that gas in there is mine." And if I may, I want to piggyback on. In 2016, I purchased a, a brand new Kia Forte. And it was repossessed because she was taking money out of my bank account and using it for drugs or whatever. So I went and bought a little $500 piece of crap. And that piece of crap was what she was referencing that day when she said the money that's in this, the gas that's in that car, is about $5. Um, it's all that, so use it sparingly. And I remember standing behind her and she was sitting on the sofa And I don't know what happened, but my thought was that she has to die. And I went to reach for her because I was behind her. And I was gonna see if I could choke her to death. And in my mind, it wasn't, let me see if I could. I said, I'm gonna kill her. But my granddaughter was in the building. And right when I got close enough to her to grab her, my granddaughter said, "Mama, are we going to the store? And I stopped. And it was at that moment that I realized that I had reached rock bottom. That my granddaughter, who was only four at the time, needed her mama. My daughter was in the other room; she needed a mother. My son, he, he lived in another state. I had family members, my my V's, my great nieces and nephews. So that was that was the night that I decided that I had to I had to run.
3: Let's talk about your books. You obviously start, when did you, how many books have you written so far? Four. Four. Mm -hmm. How did your first book come about and what's the name of your first book?
4: The name of my first book is Mass Darkness. And how that came about is that my niece, Altevis Peltzer, who is my niece, she's also, at the time she was just as my niece. And I was noticing all these notifications on, on Facebook and her name was popping up. So I decided to to click into one one day One of her lives And she did a challenge And she said Who will write a book in a weekend So I said you know what I can do that So I jumped on the bandwagon And I wrote the book In the weekend And it was rough But I, I was able to do it
3: <laughs> That's good A weekend is fair that's, that's, that's quick. That's impressive for a weekend. Mm. How many is that? Quite. How many pages of the book is it? Quite. I,
4: I don't know. I think it's like sixty or seventy pages. It's. I. I. It was. It was rough. It was really, really rough because I had, in between working, so I. I was working a full time job, and every day after work I would write for an hour or two, and. Wow. Yeah, it was so it was very rough.
3: So what's it mainly tell us the insight of your book? Obviously, it's obviously about your story and what you've been through, but what's it direct more focused on?
4: That book talks about how we end up who we are as individuals and the fact that everyone in life wears a mask of some type. Um, you find people that that may have a gambling problem. They get up every morning, they go to work. You see them smiling and grinning. You don't know they have issues. You have people that that have um, fear issues, that have abuse issues, that have alcohol issues, issues. maybe their ocd level is is higher than most i mean people have all different types of issues but when you see them you never know what's going on with people my book talks about how the possibility of what has brought you to the place that you are people you find that are codependent they can't seem to do anything by themselves um people that are that are introverts or extroverts why are they like that Where could that have stemmed from? And that's what that book, Mass Darkness, talks about.
3: So tell us about your next book.
4: Okay, so the next one was Hatred of Love, Innocence Destroyed. Well, no, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. This Old House. This Old House talks about, um, with everything we've gone through in life, there are compartments in our brain that we restore that information. It's almost like a house. In every house, there is a a room that is designated to do something in. Your dining room, you eat in. Your kitchen, you cook in. Your bedroom, you sleep in. Your bathroom, et cetera. Um, Our life, we put them in compartments in our mind. and We store junk um, or good stuff to help us get through life, almost like a safety net. And The book talks about sometimes you need to go into these different areas of your life and your mind and clean those rooms out so that you can grow as a person. Like it's stunting your growth. you won't you won't step forward in your business because you have trust issues. Um, you don't want to get anybody's assistance or help because you're afraid, or you may be that person that's too trustworthy. And you let everybody do everything for you and don't even investigate anything. You need to go into those rooms and see what it is that you've held on to from your past that has, that's hindering you and clean it out. So that's what this old house talks about. Uh,
3: but anyway, so we were talking about the book, one of your other books, basically, you were saying? Your third uh, one?
4: Uh, my third book was Hatred of Love, Innocence Destroyed. Now, these they, these next two books are just a, a small understanding of who I was as a child. Um, when, as I said earlier, I, I lived a really, really like cool kid life. Like I didn't have any fighting in my home. My parents didn't fight. Um, they had discussions in their bedroom when they had things they needed to hash out. It was never yelling, never screaming, it doesn't even sound real. But, <laughs> but they had a wonderful marriage. Um, and my book talks about that. It talks about the different relationships that i I had. And when I lost my virginity and things went. Oh, and I gave up my virginity and things, you know, started to, um, unwind. And then that, that little girl was gone. And then there was hatred of love. Um, uh, this innocence destroys and shattered dreams. And that was when I realized that life was not unicorns, butterflies and tulips. And I started to experience, um, death with friends, um, Things of that nature. So it was, you know, it was it was pretty interesting. The death of my parents and how I was affected. Those are books right before the abuse. Quite honestly, the the last book it's supposed to be hatred of love, uh, final fight, and I have yet to put that out, but that is coming out.
3: Okay, so now, you, so you're at the moment you're completely free of domestic violence you're completely free and you're mm-hmm. now just going forward in your life okay so let's uh tell us what is your now what is your you, you talked about what you do now we had at the beginning of the show you talked about what you do okay. um so what do you have our goals for the next say five years you what do you what, what do you want to be aim what's your aim are you, what are you aiming for
4: My aim is to have seminars all over the globe for women that are coming out of abuse and how to become strong entrepreneurs, learning to love ourselves. There will be public speaking. I will still continue to write my books. I even have a book that I'm working on now. other side of victory. So in, in five or ten years, I will be traveling worldwide and I will be getting out not just my story, but the story of other women. There will be acting, there will be platforms where people can re can can do uh, an of, of abuse scenes and scenes on how to get out of abuse. So it's gonna be pretty widespread. There's gonna be some plays involved. So I'm excited. <laughs>
3: Let's go. Just a quick backtrack on one thing. Do is your faith? How's your faith now?
4: My faith is very strong. God has brought me through some really tough times. Since I've been free, um, I almost lost my home. I um, I got backed up in some bills, and I didn't. As many times as I've moved, I've never. I've only dealt with eviction once because I was always running. But it was one time when I had, Altaviz had lived with me for a period of time. And one of her, one of her time frames that she was displaced was when she was with me. Um, and so I, I knew what that felt like, but this time it was a little weird because they had said to me on February 30th, I had, was it January 30th? I had to go to court. But I had talked to them and said, okay, well, I'll have the money by by the, the 30th. And they said, okay, just as long as we get it before we go to court. Well, I got the money on the 31st, but I was told I didn't have to go to court. And I didn't know, so I didn't go. So I paid what was due, but because I didn't go to court, there were court fees. So February 16th, I was served with an eviction with a... Um, what is it? I guess the, the constable served me and I and we're talking this year. This just happened.
1: Okay.
4: And I had a whole bunch of furniture in this brand new place. This is brand new furniture. Everything I own is less than a year old. I've only been there eight months. I've been free for two years, but I've only been there for eight months. And I went down to the rental office and and I said, well, there I got it on the 16th and they're talking about I got to be out by the 19th. So her response was don't worry about it we'll take care of it. So that Monday was a holiday and I felt kind of weird. So I said, "Listen, like that Saturday, I felt kind of weird, so I called and she said, "Oh, there's nothing we can do." I'm like, "What do you mean?" I said, "You told me that you were going to talk to him." And she said, "Well, I don't know. I mean, nobody's it's the weekend and nobody's going to answer the phone on Monday." And so when I talked to her that Monday, she said to me on the 18th, she says, if you can get to us, because I just wanted an extension to the 22nd. She said, if you can get to us by the 22nd before nine, we won't take your home. They held back the constable. I, the thoughts that ran through my mind after running for all these years, and I finally had my own, the one thing that I could maintain And all this time was my 15 year job, but I never was able to be in a home for longer than than six months to a year. And I I prayed really hard. And I said, God, I can't believe that you you allowed me to go through all of this abuse, all of this stuff that, to look at me, I don't even look like I've been through half of what I've been through. For me to go through all of this and to get to this place to be homeless again, because I did a stint in in, in, a, in, in in an abandoned building like I couldn't believe that that all of this furniture was going to be gone. And that Monday that 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 sat that Friday on 22nd when I handed her the rest of the money because it was just the court fees that I owed. That was it. I had no choice but to trust God. I had no choice, you know, honestly, to sound a little churchy, forgive me. People talk about trusting God, but I didn't contact my niece. I didn't contact my, I I have a sweetheart and he is amazing. He is the most amazing man ever. I didn't contact anybody. I didn't tell anybody and God pulled through for me and made sure that I didn't lose my home. So even when I go live, I, um, I take people to different rooms in my home and I show them the, 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 the the wall, the, the wall tapestries. Each wall tapestry represents a part of me that's free. So, yeah, my faith has truly grown. <laughs> Absolutely.
3: Well, tell us where people can connect with you uh, if they're going to want to reach out to you and chat to you. Uh, where can they connect?
4: Okay. Um, email is the best way. I live with my email. It is wildernesswarrior48 at gmail.com. dot okay. I also can be found on Facebook, um, Yolanda Poe. You can inbox me.
3: Okay, fantastic. Well, let's. Um, we will, as I say, we'll have all will have the email address and your Facebook link on your uh, on in the show notes. Uh, links to where people can is buy your books That's mm. all. If you have the uh, links as well, people can purchase yes. them.
4: Yes, that's um,
3: wildernessboutique.com. Okay, we will have that in the links uh, in the show notes. Um, you want to give us a final word?
4: <laughs> there was a word that, that came to my mind the other day is that sometimes we, we go through things and we feel like we're dead. Like uh, this next breath is going to be my last breath. I have learned that when we feel like we're taking our last breath and we feel like we're being Punched in the chest, and that it's over. It's almost like when the doctor, when you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, "Take this medicine and get plenty of rest." What it is is that life has 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 hit you, and when you're down, you're not dying; you're just resting. You're preparing yourself for the next phase of your victory. So don't, when you're knocked down, don't think that you're that it's over. That that the 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 guy, the referee is going to come and he's going to you know, count you down and number 10 is going to come and it's going to be over. That's not the case. You're just resting. And when you get up, you will find yourself victorious. Please be encouraged.
3: There we go. We have, uh, yeah. So we had, a, um, we are using getvocal.com as the platform we, um, for the podcast. And um, we had a couple of people in the audience and say a big thanks to, we've got going to see the slurpee. who's uh, just commented uh, to say, thank you for the, uh, Obviously, all aspects of her life. Uh, so, thank you for that, Sarah. And uh, for those who have been, uh, well, it's been great to have uh, Yolanda. Who, I did not realise you were the aunt. Obviously, and Altavisa is your niece. Uh, yes. it uh, was interesting the connections. The connections of Altavisa is interesting to say the least. It's, always, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, well, it's, it's never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. <laughs> no. So, but. Um, but yeah, we thank you that you have now been officially been Unleashed. Ramsey Unleashed is Going Beyond Borders, is based from Scotland, Edinburgh, Scotland. Uh, we like to interview people from different backgrounds, uh, from whether it's been challenging or n- inspirational or whatever. We want to hear that people have come from nothing to become somebody, and it's also good to, any the end of the day, we want to inspire people going forward, uh, whether they're of faith or not of faith. Uh, at the end of the day, they have a story to tell and to share. So, uh, and then if somebody's listening to this and you have um, can reach, can relate to it in some way or form, and they reach out to you, you land and have a conversation with her because you just never know. It might be your the conversation that you need to have one day. So, as I say, everyone who's listening to this, um, thank you. We've had our. Just a wee summary, we've had our Belisa Charles sixty second singing tips. Thank you for her. We've had uh, music by Claire Means, we've had music also by Benisa Charles. and uh, we've had a uh, trusted usual supporters as they were supported supported by KingdomMeads.com. dot uh, com. so if you're looking to buy some Kingdom Meads, go to the website and purchase, it'd be great. And uh to everyone else, uh, have a great week week, wherever you're doing, great day, wherever you're in the world, weekend, as I say, um there will be Back soon for our next episode. We are going to be on a new platform soon, uh, which is part of what I'm doing with a collaboration called Inspirational Global Radio, a uh, one brand going all all over the world, covering USA, Canada, and and the UK. And we are aiming as a business, we're going to be inspirational radio station going forward. So, as I say, look, uh, keep an eye out for that uh, coming soon. So, uh, as I say, we aim to be inspired. So thank you to everyone who is we'll listening. And we'll speak to you all soon. Thank you, Yolanda.
4: Thank you, Fraser. You are the best.
3: (laughs) Thank you, everyone. Speak to you all soon. Take care.